thank you for listening to Let's Get Real with Joseph KG. The purpose of this podcast is to bring value, hope, and inspiration. You will hear real-life stories of individuals who have overcome some real obstacles and now sharing their story to give you hope and inspiration. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for letting us share. Now, let's get real. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in to Let's Get Real with Joseph KG. And as you heard, the biggest goal of this podcast is just to bring you value, give some inspiration and hope. Maybe it's your drive during the day. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's how you end your day. But either way, we want to share real stories and just really get real. And today I'm excited to introduce you guys to Allie. I know a little bit about her, but I'm going to get to learn a lot more today. And from what I've heard, she's got a lot to share, and I'm hoping you guys are going to enjoy it. So with further ado, Allie, thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Um, Yeah, so I'm just going to jump right in. Yeah, absolutely. Let's Um, get into it. So I really want to focus a lot on my trauma. Um, It's really what fueled a lot of the negative parts of my life. Um, It's made me who I am today. Um, It's made me really push to overcome a lot of things. So I think that... um, Can I interrupt you one second? Sure. Tell everybody now where you are, just to give some context, because I know there's a lot in your story, Mm -hmm. but I'd like them to know exactly where you're at today. Just real quick. Okay. Sobriety, maybe like a 60 second of where you are today, and I'm going to get you back into the trauma. Excellent. So my sobriety date is February 18th of 2018. God, my life today is... It's a lot to pack into 60 seconds, but I can look in the mirror today and really love the person staring back at me. And I couldn't look myself in the eyes for countless years. Um, I have a sponsor. I sponsor other women in AA. I mentor women who are survivors of human trafficking. Um, I advocate against human trafficking as often as I can. I have an amazing job that I love. I'm in school. I... (laughs) Um, living life on life terms now. I am. Yeah. I turn my will over to God every morning. I may take it back, you know, 10 times throughout right. the day. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I could never, if you would have asked me several years ago how I imagined my life today, I would have sold myself so short. Wow. Yeah. I really would have. Um, that's a perfect way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. So get into it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about where you were. The first thing you, I noticed you said, and was trauma. Um, yeah. And I do know that as you're going to share people in recovery, people not in recovery are going to, are, are, they have trauma that they've never uncovered. So I appreciate you just getting real with us today and, and take us back to that time. Um, yeah. So I think my first trauma started, um, whenever I was three and my dad left. So I think this was like the core of my brokenness. Um, he left whenever I was three, for some reason, my psyche at that time felt like, okay, this is my fault. He doesn't love me. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. So like the root, you know, it was, it was taking root in my life. So, um, he left and that trauma was like reinforced over and over again when he would like promise to come pick us up and then wouldn't show up. And then my mom was stuck, you know, dealing with three crying kids, like where's our dad. Um, so just over and over, um, that was reinforced and I wasn't, an addict and an alcoholic before I ever picked up a drug. You know, if it was, it was boys was probably the most, (laughs) um, you know, obvious choice when, you know, before I ever drank, but 
anything to take away the way I felt. I wanted to change the way that I felt. I, I just like never had a sense of belonging and I hung out with all the cool kids. I had the right clothes. My mom was such a gift giver. Like that was always like one of her love languages. <laughs> like, oh, let's skip school today and go shopping. Like, okay, oh, like, yeah. you know, it's still rooted in me today <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, so it's not that like on the outside, everything looked fine. I had a, you know, nice home. My mom loved me. I mean, like we couldn't even take out the trash without her saying like, I love you. Like, okay, yeah. mom, I love you too. Um, so it wasn't that, but just something when my dad left just really affected me. So, um, you know, I started to rebel. I got involved with, you know, older boys, which was, was really, um, you know, not a good thing to do. Um, and then when I did drink alcohol for the first time, I was 12. And it like, yeah, like it was, it was good, but it still wasn't enough for me. I think my pain was so great. And I just had like an emptiness inside of me, like, you know, it was a God shaped hole yeah. ultimately. Um, so when I did first start drinking, you know, it just, it progressed pretty quickly for me. Um, I started sneaking out of the house and then I was smoking weed and, um, my mom, well, okay, so the police caught me sneaking out of the house one night whenever I was 14, and <clears throat> they were like, you need to call your mom. I was like, no, you need to call my mom. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not calling that. her. <laughs> um, so she just didn't know what else to do with me, and my dad was doing pretty good at this time, and so she sent me to live with my dad six hours away, and that's kind of when, you know, things took a turn for the worse, because my dad didn't know how to be my dad. He had been molested when he was like eight, so he had tons of trauma of his own that he had never healed from. So she sent me to live with him and he just literally let me do whatever I wanted. How and you said you were how old? I was 14. 14. Yeah. I was about to turn 15. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I just, I ended up and I, and like the, my, the more dark parts of my trafficking and trauma started whenever I was 15. So I was first human trafficked whenever I was 15. And this is like when my trauma really started to stack up. Um, so I had met these two much, much older men. And like at first it was like, oh, like, you know, showering gifts on me and like just giving me whatever I wanted. And then they started drugging me. Oh. And by me, choice or was it like, Hey, try this. And, and no, not by like, choice. I just don't even remember. Yeah. Like, I just remember kind of like waking up in a fog multiple times. I remember like bits and pieces. It's, um, <clears throat> I remember like being sold to like different people. I remember like being out at this super remote cabin in Bloomington, Indiana by Lake Monroe. And it was, I just, I didn't know a way out. My dad actually, had enlisted the help of the cops because nobody knew where I was. And I, um, these guys were actually going to take me to get my hair done. And the girl that did my hair, her name was Seagrin. And she was like a friend of mine and a friend of my family's. So whenever I went to go get my hair done that day, it actually like saved me because the cops were there waiting for me. Um, the guys got away and then they took me to the hospital for like a week. Like I got no trauma therapy. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, like, human trafficking has really come to light, right? So I used to think, like, the movie Taken was human trafficking. No, like, anytime, like, you're coerced or definitely, like, drugged and sold right. for sex, I mean, that's definitely human trafficking. But this was happening in, in Bloomington, Indiana. Like, yeah. 
you know, I didn't realize what actually had happened to me until, you know, a few years ago. Um, so anyways, that was quite traumatic. Yeah, of course. Right. So, um, I was still so broken and I just had no idea like what to feel, how to feel, how to process the trauma. Um, so then I just kept going back to doing drugs. Yeah. Um, and then it's like these predators, man, they just know, like they can just yeah. like pinpoint you out of a crowd. Um, so it happened, you know, a few more times, um, you know, to just kind of combine, I don't want to just go into like tons and tons of gruesome detail, but I do want to point out just like how dark things got, you yeah. know, I was raped so many times, beat, I was shot actually one time, um, just over and over and over again, like my soul was like snatched out of my body. Yeah. Was um, there ever times during those moments that you were like, I need to get out of this? Or were you wrapped up in the identity of this may be who I am? Um, I think both, you know, I think for a while when I was talking about this at a meeting the other day that like, I almost wore my addiction as like a badge of honor or mm. because that was like my only identity. Like you just said, that's all I knew. I didn't see a way out. Yeah. I had no idea that help was available. I had no idea how to like actually feel through that stuff or face it. You know, and sometimes I don't even know that I wanted to at that time yet. Yeah. I felt so unworthy and so unloved. I almost felt like I deserved it. Wow. You know, so um I think that just continued for a lot of years and you know, God has never like left this whole, whole situation. So, um, God has always done for me what I couldn't do for myself. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, it's always crystal clear. And I look back and I'm like, man, like you never left my side mm. through the rapes, through the, I mean, I should have been dead many, many, many times over. Um, but he just always saved me. And I always reflect today, especially like when I do my gratitude every morning, that all the things that I went through, I've seen a lot of people's hearts be like super bitter mm. from things that they've been through. And I'm so grateful like that isn't my heart. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you went through this going through, so human trafficking, you're going through kind of with your addiction at this point, where was the, was there ever times like, cause you said it was both. Did you ever try to stop? Did you ever, was it like the first time you stopped? How did you get to the place? Like, cause you just, you know, people are hearing you talk and sometimes I say stuff like that. Like, oh, prison was the best thing that happened to me. And they're like, how do you, you know, being molested when I was nine was one of the things that, that I look back and I'm like, it happened. You know, people say it happens for you, not to you. And they're like, what makes you think that now? You know, and, and there's obviously a part of your story where you got to this point. Yeah. Um, take, take us through. You know, because I mean, that's human trafficking and, and, and being on drugs every day is, is a whole nother world. Yeah, um, it definitely is. So, you know, back to like the God thing and God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. So, no, there were never times where I was like, I'm going to try to stop, you know, because I just I wasn't there. Like yeah. I had endless amounts of drugs at my disposal because I'm a woman. And then once I was trafficked, I was like, wow, like, OK. I can like sell my body and get all the money and all the drugs that I want. So that was just, 
you know, a whole nother level. So, you know, at one point I was like definitely selling myself in between being trafficked by people. Um, but whenever I was so, okay. So backing up a little bit, whenever I got, um, the police came whenever I was getting my hair done, I had an ounce of weed in my purse. So they like charged me with that and they put me on juvenile probation, but it's a blessing. You know, at the time, obviously I didn't feel that way. Um, I could not pass a drug test on probation to save my life. (laughs) My dad would be like, just drink vinegar. And I would drink vinegar all night long and then smoke weed on the way to probation. It was just, you know, the insanity. Right. Um, so after my probation officer was like, Allie, like you have two choices, go to juvenile detention or go to rehab. And I'm like rehab, like for sure. I choose rehab. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) Send me, sign me up. So I went and this was the first time I was introduced to AA and I was 16 and I was like, heck yeah. Like I wanted what these people have. I never thought AA was a glum law. And I was like, man, these people are cool. I had an awesome sponsor who was super involved, took me to like women's conferences and she took me to, um, Louisville, Kentucky for an international conference. And I was like, yes, like, but I wasn't ready to get honest with myself. Mm -hmm. So all along amazing seeds were planted and I just never took the time to water them. Um, so definitely, um, all the times I've been incarcerated, which have been many, but the first time that I was in rehab, you know, so like I said, so many awesome seeds were planted, um, God, there's so much like that. I want to say, I'm no. trying not to like overthink. And so when you went to you, so you got your first introduction to AA that took you to, okay, Hey, there's, there's a place people go to get sober mm-hmm. and then going back into the world. Because like you said, just, you know, you're dealing with some shame that you were not ready. Like I remember thinking when I first went to AA and the only thing I thought about was they were like, oh, you need to do a four step and you need to get honest about all your resentments. And the one thing I was like, I'll never tell anybody I was molested. Mm-hmm. I'll never do that. Right. So and knowing that I was like, well, what else do I not want to, you know, I wasn't ready for that because I was holding back the shame. So how long were you out? Were you in and out? Like, did you go back into using human trafficking and then maybe try again AA or you never, because you said incarcerated a couple of times mm-hmm. when you got out, were you like, okay, I'm going to change now, try again. Was there different bouts with it or it was just? I definitely think so. Um, So whenever I was 16 and finished um, rehab, I went to like IOP, but I was immediately drinking again. Yeah. And I can't drink like a normal person. That always leads to the next best thing for me. Cause like alcohol in and of itself is just like not my thing. Right. Like then it leads to like Xanax and then, you know, then it's just downhill from there. Um, so just like a quick run through of all of my arrest. And I think what finally, you know, just did it for me. Um, I could never, I, I don't know if I just was never had the courage in my addiction or, or what it was, but I could never just be like, okay, I'm going to try to get sober because I was on heroin and so I would get sick and then I was just, I just couldn't do it. I mean, like I tried to be on methadone, but I was just as high on methadone. Um, so no, there were never really times where I'm like, okay, like I need, I'm going to do this. It always was like God picking me up and putting me in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, that ultimately did it. So, 
yeah, whenever I got out of rehab, whenever I was 16, I stayed, you know, clean long enough just to get through like IOP and get off of probation. And then, um, ended up, like I said, in, in several more trafficking situations. I actually ended up in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, in like a really crazy trafficking situation was out flown out to Vegas and like there's real deal pimps in Vegas. Like I didn't know that was like like a lifestyle out there, but it is. Um, and then, you know, throughout this time I was arrested several times. And again, like I only stayed clean and, and okay. So those were the moments of clarity whenever I was in jail and I'm like, okay, like I don't want to live this way anymore, but I just didn't know how to feel. And I didn't know how to work through those traumas and that shame. I'm so glad you touched on that because the shame and guilt, man, it ate at my soul. So ultimately I ended up from Vegas. I had met a porn star out there and she was like, I'll help you get off of heroin. But it was like Opana they were giving me. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to Florida for the winter. Um, Just come with us. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I had been arrested out there. So I had open charges out there. I was always running from myself, Joseph. And everywhere I went there, I was Mm -hmm. broken me. So I ended up in Florida, which I'm so glad that I ended up in Florida. Like I love, I love Jacksonville now that I've been here, but Ultimately, um, from Vegas, I moved to Kissimmee, and that was, some of my worst trafficking actually happened in Orlando, Florida. Like, it's such a a huge world of it down there, and I don't know if you know this, but Florida is like the number three leading state in the nation for human trafficking. Jacksonville is actually like a hot spot, Orlando's a hot spot, Miami, obviously, but yeah, Orlando was pretty crazy, Um, and that's when like, just some of the darkest, darkest times of my addiction. And I I remember towards the end of my addiction, you know, God let me hit a really low bottom because he knows I'm hardheaded and I tried all of those little recipes my yeah. way. Like, okay, I'm just gonna like, just drink a little bit. No, like that never works for me because then I want Xanax and then I want this and that. And you know, it's just, it's, it's no good. Um, so I remember waking up one morning and I was sick and I looked like I had sliding glass doors in my bedroom. And I remember like the trees were like just blowing in the wind. And I was so, so incredibly baffled at God. It's not that I was mad at God, but I was just like, why? Like, why would you, like, what was your point of creation? Yeah. Why would you create a life with so much pain and so much suffering and so much darkness but I just had never experienced the light that I've experienced now today. Yeah. And so now I know, I mean, I'm, I don't understand every single thing that I went through, but I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of why I went through those things. Yeah. Um, because I'm able to experience the good that much better today. Mm-hmm. I'm able to like share with others like, Hey, yeah, me too. Like, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I always tell people it's like we, a lot of times people try to run from their past, whether it's recovery or not, you know, they, they look at failures in their life. They look at things that they've been through and there's the word, the big word, regret, the R word. And, you know, I always say, you know, I believe that everything in my past was a purpose. And when you can do what you're doing now, which is I want to provide value to people. I want to help other people. It gives your past a purpose. You know, and I look back at my past being incarcerated, going through, you know, like I said, the being molested when I was younger, 
doing all this stuff that I had to go through and not just me, the people around me. Mm-hmm. It, I give it a purpose today by doing what we're doing now, by sponsoring other guys in the program, by helping other people because mm-hmm. I say, hey, I've been here, maybe not the same place you have, and I've gotten myself out by the grace of God and I want to help you now. And without that, I would just be trying to do every day, just work. It would be, a, I always call it like the simple life mm-hmm. instead of enjoying the life that we have today because we know where we've been. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you do that. You know, I mean, being in with the trafficking now, it almost gives you that passion to say, hey, where can I go to help that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of things that I definitely want to do still. And one of them is to... Like, I want to go into, like, the ERs and the hospitals because every time, like, I overdosed multiple times and was hit with Narcan, and I was treated like absolute trash in the emergency room. And um, also, you know, times whenever someone could have helped me, like the time whenever I was 16 and was taken to the hospital, like, it was never even thought of. Like, what I just came out of was a trafficking situation, and that should have been, like, a huge red flag. Right. Um, I don't remember what I told them. Maybe I didn't even tell them about it. I was so dissociated that, yeah. you know, I just don't even know. Yeah. So I want to like definitely talk about like the solution and yeah. like what God has done in my life. To... Take us to the first, the, 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 you said, say your sobriety date one more time. February 18th of 2000, or February 15th of 2018. Sorry. Yeah. So, so take us back to that day. What changed oh, here for you and take us on a little bit on that journey. All right. So in August of 2017, God ultimately did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it's so funny. God definitely has a sense of humor. Um, You know, I got away with a lot of stuff throughout my addiction that I could have went to prison for for a really, really long time. Um, And I went to prison. I ended up ultimately getting sentenced to prison for... Um, I was stealing from Kohl's. Like I would get lists um, from like drug dealers or whatever and like go fulfill the orders, right? (laughs) Um, So I was at Kohl's and I was like getting this list together. I had no business being in the store. I was high. Who knows how many days I had been up for. I was a mess. I don't know if I thought people thought I looked normal, but I clearly did. So um, whenever I was leaving the store, the lady had clearly called the cops when I was in there. I don't know how long I was in there, but so the cops were there waiting for me. So I ended up going on a high speed chase and I was like, yeah, like if I jump out of the car, like they'll chase the car and I'll get away. That's not what happened. So they did um, chase the car. He did get away and I ran across the street, which was a Loma. So I ran out of orange County into Seminole County Mm -hmm. um, down like by Orlando And I was like running through backyards and the third house that I hit at, I hit on the back porch. Well, it was a Seminole County cop's house. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And the wife was home and the helicopters and the dogs found me. So, um, yeah. So instead of just like trespassing, they charged me with burglary. Oh, wow. Um, But it was just my time. You know, God's like, okay, like you've had enough. And I actually bonded out on that charge and God let me have like that one last hurrah. And I think that's when I had that moment when I was just so hopeless and I just did not understand God's creation. And I was just like, the darkness was like tangible. Mm-hmm. Like when I look back at that, I'm like, literally I could have cut it with a knife. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I bonded out on those charges, missed my court date, of course. 
um, because it was either go get dope or go to court. I mean, the clear choice was, was to go uh, get dope. Yeah. So on February 15th of 2018, I will never forget my last high. I never want to forget my last high because I was just such a wreck. Mm -hmm. um, the guy I was dating, I had been up for like seven days and the guy I was dating was like, Allie, please go to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. Please, I'm begging you. And finally my body just shut down. And the guy that had bonded me out, my friend Juan, he just, you know, it was like they were coming for his house because my bond, I was out on like a $30,000 bond. They were coming for his house or he had to call the cops on me, which was the best thing he could have ever done for me was call the cops on me. Yeah. So I finally had went to sleep and I woke up to Orange County Sheriff's Department and I was like, oh God, like I just wanted to sleep. Mm -hmm. I was so tired. And then I was like, oh my God, I have warrants. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to jail. Yeah. Um, honestly, worst and best day of my life. Yeah. And how long? So you did prison time there? Yeah. So I was sentenced originally to 32 months. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing like 23 months to the day mm -hmm. and prison saved my life. Yeah. It gave me that like this little small sense in jail just weren't enough for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there were enough to be like, okay, I want something different, but not enough for me to get the tools and the resources available to actually do something different. Yeah. So in prison, I mean, it took me like a good year to be like, mm, maybe I shouldn't just go back to Orlando and do the same thing. Yeah. Maybe I should set myself up for success this time. And again, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, placed people in my life, amazing, amazing people that, um, ultimately got me in touch with a program here in Jacksonville that is specifically for survivors of human trafficking yeah. called Her Song. Yeah, my, my wife's involved with that, yeah. Oh my gosh, what an amazing program. That's like, awesome. what a gift. That place is the, like, the foundation of my healing. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously God is super involved in all of this, but I, you know, and it was God changing my heart in prison. Like, I didn't make these choices. Like, Allie can't make good choices. Yeah. Like I had to like be willing first to ask for help. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've always believed in God and I, God is such a huge part of my story and I never want to, like your shirt says, <laughs> rob God of his glory because I didn't do any of this. Yeah. Like I'm not sitting here today, alive, healthy, smart, happy, joyous, free because of me. Mm -hmm. Like it's all God. Yeah. Um, and the things he orchestrated in my life, like getting me to her song. Um, so yeah, I got out of prison January 15th of 2020. So literally 23 months to the day later, um, and was just so ready finally for something new, Yeah, you know, and there's only so much healing you can do in prison. It's a pretty dark, course, lonely yeah. place in there. Right. Um, but I did use my time in prison wisely. I, you know, really started soul searching and I'm like, what do I want? Yeah. Like I didn't want to get out and do the same thing. And that gave me a nice long time to think about to it. really think about what I was going to get out and do. And like I said, it was about a year in when I was like, okay, I need, I need to do something different. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, for me and, and correct me if I'm wrong at those moments, like getting into her song and realizing like, you know, Hey, there's some things that's happened in my past and I don't have to accept them anymore. I can now deal with them. And that's the hardest part, I think, for a lot of people is to mm. deal with it mm. because 
it, people say, you know, I've I've heard people say like I used to think like addicts were quitters. People were in a day, like AA. I was like, oh, those guys are quitters. You guys are so <laughs> soft. You're so weak. And it, these are the strongest. Like I'm looking at you. I'm like, you are one of the strongest women oh, I have met thank because. You. That is, there's a lot of people who are still, it may not be human trafficking, but their trauma to them is like human. You know, everybody's trauma to themselves. That's why I always tell people, don't compare yourself to other Mm -hmm. people because what may be the hardest thing for you to deal with, and it could just be being a single mother. As simple as that may sound to some people, being a single mother could be trauma because, or being, being somebody who didn't have a father and they accept it instead of, let me now face it which is a segue to where I want to go and when you started facing it in the program recovery. Because mm. I always talk to people, whether in recovery or not, the, the steps are not just for addicts. I really, And that's oh, the message no. I want to preach to so many people that listen now is there's so much power in them. Not just doing them one, like living life with those things mm-hmm. has been the greatest gift for me. And, and I'm, like, I'm watching your spirit change as we're mm-hmm. talking about these things. So take us down your journey into going through these steps, uncovering who you are, accepting that, and now being at this place where you're like, hey, this is part of my past and I want to give some some light to the world. Yeah, you're right. I mean, just like hearing you say this, it's like, oh, it just fills me up. Like it just makes my heart smile so much. <laughs> Even thinking back to like those first days, like I said, when I got out of prison, like there was only so much I could face in prison because I didn't have like, the resources and, you know, you still have to have some kind of defense mechanisms in prison. It's not Mm -hmm. like a happy, you know, like rainbows and cupcakes in there. Like, um, so yeah, sober in there. So yeah, I mean, no, I mean, there were so many people just like nodding out. I mean, it was, it was the streets just, you know, within a fence. That's right. So yes, whenever I got out, I'll never forget the first day. Like I walked up to her song, like, um, the safe house, you know, is what they call it there. Um, it was just beautiful. And I was just welcomed with open arms and like true, genuine love. And they loved me and AA loved me until I could really learn to love myself. And I think a huge part of my healing journey, Joseph, has been forgiving myself, yeah. you know, and forgiving other people. But more than even forgiving other people, it's easier for me to give you than it is to forgive me. So um, I went to an AA meeting, like fresh out, you know, of prison. Um, I think I was at her song for maybe like two days. And I'll never forget that night either, because it's the first time I had been outside at like nighttime. Mm -hmm. And for me, nighttime was like running the streets. So it was like a really uneasy feeling that first night because I wanted to run. I wanted to leave. And I wanted to go do what I always knew because that was what was comfortable. But I didn't. You know, I had given my life to God. I actually surrendered my life to Christ whenever I was in prison. And nights like that when I wanted to run are a true testament that I did surrender my life to Christ. Because me, I would have ran. Mm-hmm. But God was like, no, yeah. you're not going anywhere. So I stayed and I fought. And a lot of tears later, a lot of you know, good, healthy cries. Um, I was able to stay one day at a time. And that is one of my favorite slogans of AA. Mm -hmm. When I finally like truly grasped one day at a time, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm free. Yeah. Because there was a long time that I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Well, the good thing is I don't have to. Yeah. Just have to do it ultimately for like right now while I'm talking to you. Yeah. Um, So... 
my healing journey really encompassed me getting honest with me, figuring out what I was feeling, how to get through that feeling without putting a substance in my body or even buying a pair of shoes or, you know, a new outfit or whatever it was, even escaping like into TV or sleep because that was a big escape for me in prison was just sleeping. Um, So I had to really face myself Mm. and face my traumas and facing the traumas was like probably one of the hardest things, but like just reliving them and like going through like some really, really good trauma therapy at her song is when I can tell you like there was a huge shift like in my soul and in my heart and in the way I could look at myself in, in the face and in the mirror and like seriously stare into my own soul and be like, like I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and I think I've always had a passion for like health, helping other people. Um, but just having to find a way to do that in a healthy way without being like codependent. Yeah. Because like, I think codependency is like a huge part of my story too. Yeah. Um, which also started, I think whenever I was like three, right. <laughs> you know, when my dad left. Um, so it was all about actually working the program Mm -hmm. and taking suggestions and not thinking I knew everything and being teachable and, you know, being vulnerable and having courage and not letting fear drive my life. But I love also the saying that like the only way out is through and like I had to walk through all of that pain mm-hmm. and it's, it's been a really beautiful process, but hard. Yeah. And you know, like I'm hearing you talk about your childhood trauma, which means you've done a lot of self-reflection, like, you know, thinking about, cause I have two daughters and I think about, you know, having a, their father being in their life. And my wife never had a father in their life. And women that I talk to that don't have fathers. Now, obviously men, deal with different things that men deal with not knowing how to become a man and they find their identity and what they see around them. Well, with women, when they, I notice when they don't have a father, they're searching for that missing piece of how am I supposed to be loved by another man? And that's, that's my prayer every day is let me be in my daughter's life so I can show them how they're supposed to be loved and how they're supposed to be treated. Where did you, did, did her song help you do? Like, I, I really would love to go into some things you learned on that coaching or the trauma like that they taught you because those are some things that are tough to like, how do you uncover that? Cause there's some people right now who want to uncover, like, I think I have trauma mm-hmm. Man, I realize I can relate to Allie as she's talking, but how do I get there? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's a really, I, I love that you touch on that because having a healthy relationship is still a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, but I think what has helped me the most is learning how God loves me, you know? And like a true father would love his kids, right? Like, like you love your kids. And like, ultimately I know like my dad loves me, but he just didn't know how. Um, So it's that like unconditional love and definitely her song and the coaching and the love that they showed me and the love that AA shows me. Like it's not transactional. It's not like, okay, you do this and then I'll love you or then you can have this. It's like, I'm going to love you until you love yourself. And her song definitely did show me that. Um, A lot of like the the classes we did there or the literature that we studied 
um, was very like Christ centered. Yeah. And that has, that's been like the biggest game changer for me because I know that's what love is supposed to look like. Now putting it into action, you know, is a little bit more hard, but it's just one of those things. It's kind of like you got to do it by faith. Mm. And, you know, I do, um, you know, not in a relationship right now. And I know God's still working on me. He tells me all the time, like, I'm like, Oh God, like, you know, I want a husband. He's like, girl, you're still a work in progress. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, a it's coming, but, um, I, I just think also Joseph, like learning to love myself mm-hmm. only then am I able to like truly love other people. Um, and just giving myself grace and showing myself compassion in the most selfless way. You know, I'm also an addict and alcoholic, so everything's about me, but I have to learn for everything to be about me in like a healthy, unselfish way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I love, let's talk about God here because you, your light shines. I'll just tell you that right now, as you. you talk and every time you talk about God, I see the light in you. Um, and that's huge. And I know there's, you know, when, when I'm, I'm doing this podcast and I'm talking to people, all I'm thinking about is the other people on the other, other line, you know, mm-hmm. the people that are listening to this. And, and there's a lot of, especially in addiction, I find a lot of people struggle with the God thing. Mm-hmm. And they struggle with it because they dealt with pain. You know, and I, I grew up knowing there was a God, but I had these reservations. I was like, if there was a God, you know, because you have all this pain that you're dealing with and you touched on it a little bit. And I want to go back there talking about, God, why did you let me go through this? Mm-hmm. I want if if you can almost be sitting here talking to somebody who is a woman or a man, let's just let's just call it both. And they're dealing with trauma. They're dealing with stuff in their life right now. They might even be sitting down at their bottom and questioning God. You know, because I don't, it's it's a tough thing to do it with. I don't know how to do it without God. You know, I, I have no idea how to do it without God because then I'm left to my own devices and left to my own devices. I will, like you said, I will be chasing other stuff that's yeah. not going to fulfill this hole in my heart, which is God. Mm-hmm. What? How did you deal with, like, because that's tough. I mean, and, it is. and you went through it. So I'd like you to take us there of when, how did you go from, why did you let me do this? Mm-hmm. Why did you take me here to now you're the center of my life? Absolutely. And I think I love that you touched on that because so many people are just like, oh, how could there be a God if there's so much evil in the world? Well, there is good and evil. Mm-hmm. And God's not the creator or the maker of evil. But, you know, when, the, so I look back on my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, so much pain. Like God didn't be like, oh, here, like I'm going to punish you and put you through all this stuff. But what God is doing is taking all of that bad stuff and like turning it into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what he has the power to do. I mean, of course, he probably had the power to stop it. But at the end of the day, like I'm grateful for all the pain that I've been through. And that's really, really hard to say in the moment. So anyone who is out there listening, anything that you're going through right now, like like you will make it through it. Um, it's going to be painful, but at the end of the day, it's going to make you a stronger, better person. Like every single bit of the pain that I went through serves a purpose today because I can empathize or relate to the next woman or man, or even like my family, like I can speak into their lives and just have hope behind all of that. Like I made it through all of that and I'm okay. And I'm better because of it ultimately. And God does love us. And I, I mean, I just, 
you know, it's a really like hard thing to grasp, you know, even being where I am today. It's just like, why does the bad things happen? Why are there starving kids? Why, you know, are people being raped and murdered? But we live in a fallen world, yeah. you know, and I just take it, like I said earlier, like I can appreciate the good so much better, like there because of the darkness, right? Because of the bad. Yeah. I wouldn't know how good good is right. if there wasn't anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I don't have all the answers. God, I'll have a lot of questions for him one day. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I know he has taken my mess and turned it into a message. Right. You know, you hear that a lot, but like there is hope. And like, I just feel like so many of us are living proof of that. And that's why I love the rooms of AA. Mm-hmm. Because we all, and, and even not the rooms of AA, you know, like like you said earlier, everyone has their own trauma and however, and it's like the worst to them. But that's again, like left up to God. He knew I needed like a, a way worse, worse. Right. <laughs> because like the, you know, the little stuff just, I'm hard headed and I needed like some severe darkness, I guess. And yeah. I never let it, you know, just keep me there right keep you there now Mm -hmm. now talking about god and and where you're at now what are some things that like key important things in your life today that it's almost like these are key things that i do things that you've learned in recovery um you talked about sponsorship and sponsoring other people um talk a little bit about why you work with other women oh my god i love my sponsees and i love my sponsor and I love all of the other women who I just have in my life. I have an amazing tribe, but helping other people, Joseph, like helps get me out of me. Yeah. Like going back to like, oh, the world's all about me. You know, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. So like it's I centered. Getting out of self is like key. And like the, you know, the paradox or whatever it is, like we can only keep what we have by giving it away. Like I'm only where I am today because someone gave it to me so freely so it's imperative that I also give it back so freely. And my sponsees help me grow every day. If I forget to do my gratitude list, like one of them is doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. Um, but it's just beautiful and it's so rewarding to like watch them want it. You know, I've had a lot of sponsees too that like didn't, you know, they're not ready yet. Um, but maybe I planted a few seeds along the way, like people planted seeds in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so rewarding. Like the two, I have two amazing, amazing sponsees who are just, they want this thing and they're sponsoring other women and they're giving back. And it's like, there's no other program that I know of besides obviously like NA or something that is so unified and like loving and like AA is. Yeah. And like, we really love each other. Right. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. I always talk about going into our first men's meeting and seeing like 78 men in there. And it's just like, it was crazy to me, you know, coming into this world, like I was out of prison and in my mind, I'm just like, okay, am I going to get high when I leave here? And thinking these thoughts, things going on in my mind, but then you sit in this room and these guys are like hugging each other. And they're like, guys are like, big dudes are like tearing up and talking about real stuff. And I'm like, why are they doing this? You know, I never understood why. And I love what you just said, because it it helps them to get out of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think in today's world, we're all focused. I'm still, it it, it happens to me. Like I'll get upset at my wife and then I'll hop in the car. And I'm like, why did I get mad at her? I'm like, oh, because she got in the way of my plans. There Mm -hmm. I go again. (laughs) And it's this constant self-reflection that I have to Mm self-reflect. And it's got to be. And that's why I think the God thing keeps me humble. 
And, and that's another thing I talk about a lot is like, when my pride gets in the way, I want to blame you. Oh yeah, you know, for it's sure. So easy to blame other people. Um, do you have any regrets of your past? No. When you look at it. No, I mean the the only thing that I wish my family wouldn't have had to suffer mm-hmm. at my the expense of my addiction. But also, be, that being said, is I feel like in the long run today, it has also helped them, and it's also see, helped them see the power of God. And like my relationship could not be better. Like I talk to my mom every day, the relationship with my sisters, seeing their forgiveness of me, like is also a display of God's love. And so, I mean, I guess ultimately, no, not even that, you know, again, everything happens for a reason, but it's like that little soft spot in your heart for your family, right? You don't want them to hurt. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, like, as far as God's concerned is like, I talk to God all day long, like as if he was sitting here, like you are, mm-hmm. you know, and just like throughout the day, like he's my best friend yeah. and my father and my provider. And, you know, like he's done so many amazing things in my life and they're all gifts from him. Yeah, You know, just the fact that I'm capable of being honest with myself today. I mean, it's really, really crazy, like in the most beautiful way possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, you know, I just think about it. I look at every single person that I mm-hmm. talk to and I think about, man, what's your story? I have this big passion of like, what's your story? Because I do think a lot of people hide from it. Um, I mean, you're sitting in front of a microphone right now telling people about things that you've been through in your past and people would be ashamed of that. You know, like, man, this and 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 you got to this place where you know it's not your identity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and took a long time though. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any things during this journey that you really uncovered that was massive for you like things that you never realized like when you talked about um I heard you say it about your dad, you know, and and him not being in your life and and things. Was there lies that you felt like you were telling yourself that you were like, "Oh, wait a second. Yeah. This is not." <laughs> Tons of them. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the biggest things too that I've uncovered is like the how deep my codependency goes. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I'm still working on, like you know, working with my sponsor on. And um, but man, that I told myself lies my entire life yeah. that I was unlovable, that I was unworthy, that I didn't belong, that I didn't have a purpose. All those things are lies of the enemy for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I do have a purpose every single day. And, you know, my purpose is forever evolving too. Mm. I feel like I'm always having to dig for like a new level of willingness because life gets good, right? And then like, oh God, I got this. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll talk to you later. But like, I have to dig deep all the time and just know that I don't got this, you know? And that complacency, you got to just, you know, keep an eye out for that because whenever I think, and that's like the pride and ego, right? When I think that I've got this and life is going good, then I don't lean into God so much. I have to remember every single day that I need to lean into God just as hard in the good times as I do in the bad. Mm -hmm. Because of course, like when things are going wrong or like something doesn't go my way, I'm quick to be like, God, like help me with this instead of, I mean, I'm pretty good at like giving him praise and, you know, glory, but not as often as I am whenever things aren't going my way. Yeah. How do you not fade away? Like, cause as I hear you talk, I do know sometimes it, it takes two days for me. Sometimes it's like maybe a month and I'm like, whoa, you know, and you talk about 
taking your, you know, almost like taking your will back. Mm -hmm. And, and I do know sometimes it's like, I look at like two paths, you know, there's God's path and Mm -hmm. there's my path. And when I'm not walking on God's path, I'm like, it's like I took a right turn. <laughs> now, what are things in your life that makes you realize? Because what happens to some people, and this used to happen to me when I try to stay sober, is I'm on this path and then I get off the path and I'm like taking my will back. And there's just like, oh, and I never turn back. Does that make sense? It does. What are some things that help you to recognize that? Because it's you're recognizing it, but mm-hmm. some people now are like, am I there? How do I recognize it? Yeah. What, what have you put in your life today that helps you recognize those things to say, oh my gosh, here I go again? Yeah, I think a huge thing like a safety guard or like a guardrail that I have in my life today is my my tribe, mm. you know, and, and my, you know, just the people in my life who, like, I can't go a day without like being in a reading. Like I have all different like group chats, you know, of like, we do this and then we practice gratitude and we do the daily reflection. It's like, there's no escaping it, you know? And that's like the way I've set my life up or God has helped me set my life up. So there is, I mean, of course, like throughout the day and especially like where men or sex is concerned, that's probably where I can stray the most because that's what feels good. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So it's taken a lot of practice and not dating for many years in early sobriety. It wasn't like I just was like, had a timer set for one year and I'm not gonna date for one year. No, I didn't date for many years because like I was so not ready. Like I had so much healing to do where I was even like halfway capable of being able to love someone or care for someone else. So I definitely have to like watch it where men and sex is concerned. Um, But as far as like just staying in the word or staying in the readings and being involved in AA, like that's pretty, I've got some like pretty solid guardrails on both sides of that, but I have so many character defects, you know, that I have to keep in check on a daily. And some days it's better than others. I still have little pity parties, you know, and do they last a day? Do they last an hour? Do they last a week? You know, and how long do I want to set in my misery? But then it's like, am I going to pick my tools up that I have an AA and call someone? Am I going to call my sponsor? And I know all the things to do. But in my little human mind, like, how long is it going to take me to actually do it? I don't do recovery perfectly. Of course. But, like, I have all the things that I need to get out of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's super cool and yeah. such a blessing. Yeah, and I love that you talked about your tribe. I think about um, the tools that we set. Like, every time, it's almost like the self-will <clears throat> and self-confidence. Um and then the big word I always say is self-awareness. Like, what mm. we're talking about right now is self-awareness. Yeah. And I do believe that when we're not self-aware and we pick up those tools, it's like we added a point to our self-awareness <laughs> because now we're like, I know what I need to do. So like, and then you drop a tool and then you're like, you don't lose any points when you drop it, but every time you pick it up, you gain points. And that's my, 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 I love that. That's always what I say because I'm going to drop the tool a lot. There's, yeah. there's 30 different tools that we have in recovery that I'm going to drop one and, and maybe not pick it back up. But if I can pick it back up and be like, man, last time I felt this way, when mm-hmm. I picked it up, it was like, oh man, I need to get back on track. Um, yeah. I love one of like my biggest tools is just to share it with somebody else mm-hmm. because the shame makes us want to hold it inside. Right. Which is like a tactic of the enemy. <clears throat> but as soon as I share it and maybe I need to share it with 10 people yeah, because then the burden's gone. 
So that's been like one of my favorite tools because then God speaks through other people and I hear what I need to hear. They're like, there's so many blessings in that one tool. So I just really love it. I love that you said that because in the rooms, it's so easy for us. Like I'm so, and that's why I like this podcast called Let's Get Real because like I get right down to it. I'm not, I don't like hide behind conversations. (laughs) I'm like almost sometimes too raw. Like I'll meet somebody that's like not in AA and they're like, so tell me about you. I'm like, well, I've been to prison and I've been this and and they're like, what? It's kind of crazy. And, and in my mind, it's, I think about how we have that blessing to mm-hmm. be able to share it. I want you to talk about, you, you said something about codependency mm-hmm. and you're, you're learning through that right now. And as you're learning, what are you learning? Because codependency is not just an addict issue. Mm-mm. Codependency is filling another hole. We talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. We like to fill this hole that was meant for one thing. And I, I see a lot of people when it comes to whether it's codependency on men, women, mm-hmm. buying stuff. What are you learning in that area of your life right now? So I think a couple of the the main things that I'm learning are to, like, I'm a people pleaser. So I have to learn how to do that in a healthy way, right? To not lose self or a sense of self whenever I'm doing it or, like, cross my own boundaries that I have because I am like a nurturer, like by nature, I just am. That's just always how I've been. But like not to cross that boundary and like just to make you happy or to get your approval or, and like you mentioned earlier, like comparing, you know, like my life to others or what other people have. Um, Codependency manifests in so many, like addiction's black and white. (laughs) Like this is, you know, you use drugs and like these are the consequences and codependency, there's so much gray. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm literally reading this book, um, the 12 steps for codependency. So, I mean, I love it, but I'll read like a paragraph and have to digest it for like a week. You know, there's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. It's a very like fear base and it's like fear of not being loved or, you know, I don't feel like a fear of being alone. Cause I actually like being alone a lot of times just so I can hear God and I can be self-aware and I can self-reflect. Um, but I think right now for me, um, the things that I'm working on most with my codependency is just like setting healthy boundaries with people, like being there for other people, but not being people pleasing, like not doing it for their, like necessarily, I don't want to say for their sake, but don't do it for their approval. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it runs deep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that you said some of that stuff that just helped me on some of the stuff. It's like, you know, we tend to try to get validation by doing Mm -hmm. things for other people. Um, because we want their validation and when they don't validate us, we're like, why did I do that then? (laughs) Instead of just doing it and without expecting nothing. Yeah. And that just brings me to something else. Expectations. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like that's been a struggle for me still to this day Mm -hmm. because like I'll, I'm, you know, this type of person to you or I'll do something and it's really, really hard to not like expect something or expect you to respond a certain way or, Um, expect you to treat me a certain way or even like in my at my job you know like people come in there very very entitled sometimes and that's just people and I try to like I try to pause you know like that very important pause we're supposed to do and ask myself like okay what are they going through what is going on in their life did their dog just die (laughs) like what is happening why is their heart so bitter and not expect someone to treat me a certain way when I don't know what's going on with them. Like I know like two minutes of their life. So the expectations thing is a huge struggle for me still today. Right. Yeah. So 
And that's the word empathy is what I always think about is like, you know, somebody didn't treat me the way I wanted them to treat me. And there was a reason I remember thinking back when, you know, and, I, and, and you do that and you speak it as you're talking. Like I, when I heard you talk about your dad, mm-hmm. you know, some people might've said, wow, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Why did he, you just said he loved you. He couldn't have loved you. And you said, and I don't know if you recognize it, but I did. I heard you say he loved me. He just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And as when you said that, I says, oh, she's, she's really doing this thing because <laughs> you're not basing what he, how he treated you. You're almost looking at it like, hey, he just did what he knew how. And that's how you have peace you yes. know, today. That's uh, where your peace comes from. I love peace. Yeah. <laughs> well, Such listen, we got, we got a treasure. few. Oh, I know. And, that, and, you know, I say this all the time is when, when I'm getting upset at somebody else, I'm letting them steal my peace. Now, how do I get to this? And I'm a, I'm a business owner, so I deal with customers a lot. And this is something that I was just talking to somebody on my team about is, you know, she, the person on my team got upset at a customer and was like, they shouldn't have talked to me that way. They were this, they were that. And my thought was, what if their mother just passed away yesterday? Exactly. And this person was dealing with a lot going on right now and they weren't treating you. It's not a reflection of you, it's a reflection of what they're going on. Yeah. Would you have reacted differently? And it was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I love that you said that. That's going to help, I, I think, so many people. Oh, um, before we get off of this, I want I want to talk about how you want to be remembered. Mm. Um, it's it's something maybe you've never thought about, but I, I love this conversation. It might be some way I end the podcast with, but you know, when when Allie's gone, mm-hmm. it's going to happen one day. You know, we're all living our life, and you're living it out right now. What do you want people to say about you and who Allie was? Um, I think a couple of different things. I want people to point out like none of my suffering was in vain. Mm-hmm. None of the pain um, was wasted. And then the other thing actually it kind of touched my heart the other day because my little sister tells me this all the time. She's like, Allie, you're always so positive about everything. Mm-hmm. And then like one of my friends from like 20 years ago was like that's how I always remember her and I was like oh like and I do want to be remembered as positive there's so much negative and ugly in the world Mm -hmm. but it's also about perspective and like what we choose to look at so I really you know I do want to be remembered as someone positive who loved like you know Jesus loves yeah and that's really hard to do you know because Jesus was perfect and we're not so (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you're doing it. I could just tell when you talk to somebody, you you can just tell the way they speak, how they reflect, how they're talking. Um, even from the simple thing of like, you asked me for Starbucks yesterday, oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, I might get it. And then like this morning for, hey, Starbucks, and I was like, man, that's <laughs> your heart is there, you yeah. know. And I was like, hey, I need to send you. You're like, no, 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 it's it's gonna be my no, treat. Oh yeah, right? no, I wasn't awesome. gonna let you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, I appreciate it. Absolutely. I think you brought a lot of value. Um, I definitely think, guys, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody. Um, subscribe, obviously, to it. We'll have some more stories, but. I think a lot of people need to hear what you shared today. There were so many nuggets, so many nuggets that you shared. So if you guys liked it, please share it with somebody, share it on your page. And it's not to get any promotion, but it's to for somebody who needs to hear it. And that's what I always say. You're not sharing because we're trying to get a bunch of subscribers. We're trying to share so more people can hear because I think there's some people dealing with some stuff that you've overcome. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. And again, thanks for letting us share.